Well, it's, it's so good to be together. Uh, this is one of my favorite services of the year, our Christmas Eve service. Chance to reflect on such a great thing. Uh, and uh, it looks like it's going to be a white Christmas, folks. How many of you live in British Columbia all year round? This is rare for us. We don't, you know, get to do this very often, and it's pretty awesome. So, and, and this is the time of year we, we normally associate with joy. We actually just said Merry Christmas, which is another, another way of saying have a Merry Christmas, a joyful Christmas. We sing songs like Have Yourself a Merry Christmas, or Joy to the World, or Have Yourself, or It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. And it makes me think, if you were looking for happiness, if you were on a journey for happiness, where would you go? And it's interesting how often we associate happiness with something that's often kind of temporary, very short term, that's often about escaping from something in some way. It's not real life, it's what we do to get away from real life. Um, if I were to use the phrase, the happiest place on earth, where would that make you think of? Disneyland, right? <laughs> Disneyland. But Disneyland is just a temporary place. I mean, nobody lives there. And I would propose that nobody would want to live there. I mean, can you imagine if, if you had to listen to It's a Small World for the rest of your life, how that would not be a happy place at all? Our, our family got stuck on a ride at Disneyland once, and we listened to the Little Mermaid song for 30 minutes straight, and that felt like an eternity, didn't it, son? <laughs> Bars actually have a, a set time, usually in the late afternoon, where they sell alcohol cheaply for an hour or so. Anybody here know what they call that? Wow, you all knew that. Wow, surprising. But that's just an interesting phrase to me, you know, like, like the happy hour. What does that say about the remaining 23 hours of our lives and what we're supposed to expect from those? Uh, I think we all know that we live in a world that is filled, our lives are filled with such pressure and intensity and uh, just so much to do. We're kind of all on the treadmill going so very fast. And uh, so often people will try to escape from all of that, that pressure by just about anything, all kinds of things, you know, everything from watching television to playing video games to, to drinking alcohol or, or sex or, or whatever it might be. But somewhere I think we, we know that there's no meaning in that. There's no, to use an old word, there's no salvation in that from escaping because we all know from somewhere deep down that it's not about what we're getting away from, it's about what we're moving toward. This one brief and, and, and short life that we have on this planet. And that brings us to the Christmas story. In, in the Christmas story, a lot of you know about these characters who go on a great search. They go on this, this great quest. We call them the wise men, the, the magi. And, and we don't know a lot about them. We know that they were educated. We know that they were wealthy. We would assume that they were wise, smart people. They were from ancient Persia, which was far, far away from, from Bethlehem, from Jerusalem. Uh, that would be modern-day Iraq or Iran. And they were learners. We know that they knew the sacred scriptures of Israel, so they were quite bright. They, they, they'd learned a lot. We also know they were willing to spend a lot of time, expend a lot of effort to go on this journey. They were looking for something that went beyond money or education or power. We also know the wise men were men. Someone once asked the question, what if, what if they'd been women? I mean, they would have asked for directions. They would have arrived on time. They, they, would, have, they would have helped deliver the baby. 
They would have cleaned the stable. They would have made a casserole. They would have given practical gifts like diapers and baby wipes. What do you do with a baby and frankincense and myrrh, we wonder? We know they didn't go straight to Bethlehem. They went to Jerusalem and asked this question, where is the one who is born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and we've come to worship him. I mean, they naturally assumed, and I think we would naturally assume if you're looking for a, a king, uh, you would look at a palace. You'd go to the city with great power and status and all that kind of thing, money. That's where a king lives. But the baby they were looking for wasn't there. There was a king, King Herod, we're told. We're told when King Herod heard this news, this news about this, this baby born king of the Jews, it says he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. Now, the reason uh, King Herod was disturbed was he figured he was the king of the Jews. In fact, he'd been given that title by, by the Roman Senate. It was, he was kind of a puppet ruler of Caesar. And you might say he was quite overprotective of that position. He was very paranoid over his power. And, and he had 10, we're told, 10 or 11 wives, one of which the only one he loved, her name was Miriam. He suspected she wanted to overthrow his throne, so he had her executed. He had three sons that he also thought wanted to overthrow his throne. He had them killed. Uh, he even put to death one of his barbers, I think, because of the same reason. I, I, don't, I can't imagine a, a barber usurping his throne. But in Herod's dying days, he was so concerned that nobody in Israel would mourn his passing that he actually issued a decree that the moment he died, 70 key leading citizens in the city were to be rounded up and killed so that there would be crying when, he died, when Herod died because he knew no one would cry for him. That's Herod. That's why it says, Herod was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Because when Herod ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. <laughs> so now these magi, on top of their, their long, long journey that they've been on, on top of this strange language and, and culture, they've got another problem. They've, they've got a powerful enemy. This, this Herod is not very happy that they're looking for another king to give their devotion to. And, and, and if I was the Magi, I think at this point, I'd be thinking about maybe just turning around and going back home, <laughs> you know, back to, back to where they lived. But they don't, because they're hungry. They, they, they want something, something that all their wealth and all their education hasn't gotten for them yet. And so all the danger uh, couldn't turn them back. They don't stop. And then came joy. And they found joy in the strangest place, and the world has never been the same. And they didn't even know, I don't think, what they were looking for, but they, they get to Bethlehem, and it's nothing. It, Bethlehem is a nowhere, obscure, out-of-the-way place, poor place. Nobody goes to Bethlehem. But, but in Bethlehem, of all places, we, we've, we've got, when they get there, we've got this great phrase in the Bible. It says, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Rejoice wasn't, wasn't big enough of a word. It was great joy, exceedingly great joy. And there's a, actually quite a deliberate contrast here. In, in Jerusalem, there's Herod, and he's got a lot of money and a lot of fame and a lot of power and a lot of comfort, but he's got no joy. And, and then in Bethlehem, there's, there's no money, there's, there's no fame, there's no, no power, no comfort, but they've got exceeding great joy. And, and, you, and so you got to ask, what's Bethlehem got that Herod doesn't got, that he hasn't got? Jesus. Just that. Only that. 
That, that's, that's all that matters. Because you see, Jesus means, one of his names was Emmanuel, which means God with us. Which means we don't have to ever be alone. That, that your problems, that your troubles in life, they're not the end. That even your death doesn't have to be the end. And the arrival of Jesus tells us the, the, the most important things about God. It tells us that when God's world was in a mess, and, and, and folks, we know it is. I mean, we see it in our own lives, right? <laughs> our, our lives get, in, get messed up, they get broken, and families get broken, and, and, and there's pain, and there's injustice, and we read and we see stuff that's going on in the world, and, and we see it in our own hearts. And when it was a mess, this God who, who made us, he didn't try to escape. He didn't try to avoid the mess. He didn't try to find some, some happy hour somewhere. He just rolled up his, his sleeves and he put on his work clothes and he humbled himself and he came down to Bethlehem into a, a stable and a, and a manger. What kind of God would do that? And there's joy. And they see this, and they think, this is, this is God. And they rejoice with exceeding great joy. And the good news tonight, folks, is this can be our joy. We don't have to be defeated by the sins and, and failures of our past. Uh, we don't have to be defeated by the anxieties and uncertainties with regards to our future. We, we don't have to be defeated by our, our weakness uh, or our inadequacies that we know about, inadequacies that we know about deep down inside of us. Because this Jesus comes and he says, my, my father loves you and I'm gonna go to a cross for you and, and I, can, I can wipe your slate clean and I'll hold your future, giving hope beyond death. And, and then I'll be your friend and I'll be your guide and I'll be your leader if you want me to. And that's what happens to the wise men. It, it's, uh, it's actually kind of strange the wise men, out of all the characters in the Christmas story, don't belong in the Christmas story. <laughs> They're not from Israel. They're not part of God's people. And, and, and this is real important for this reason. It's kind of a picture for us that the good news of Jesus is actually good news for everybody. That it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done or, or, or who you are, even your religion. Jesus is, is good news for everybody in Israel and outside. I mean, these guys, think about it. They're astrologers. They're following a star around. And this is good news for them. You may be Catholic. Uh, you may be Protestant. You may be Jewish. Jesus is good news for you. You may be Buddhist or, or Baptist. You may be Sikh or, or Salvation Army. You may be Methodist or, or Muslim. You may be secular or, or atheist, or even a Maple Leafs fan. Jesus is good news for you. This is, uh, this is so important because religion can be such a divisive thing. But there's something about Jesus that is bigger than any religion can contain. Let me say even bigger than Christianity contain. Jesus is bigger. There's something about Jesus that's bigger and deeper and more wonderful. And these guys, these, these magi, these star-following strangers, somehow they know, they get it, and they, what do they do? It says they fall on their knees. 
Their hearts are, are beating so fast they can hardly stand it. Somehow they know that this is what they have been looking for their whole lives. But they couldn't buy it and they couldn't know it. But here it is in Bethlehem. And they go back home and it's, it's really interesting. It's this tiny little story we, we actually never see them again in the Bible. We, we know hardly anything about them. But that one journey changed their lives and, and changed their eternities because we are eternal beings. And I wonder tonight, what does this Christmas mean to you? I, I wonder, where does this Christmas find you? I wonder, what are you moving towards? Maybe your life is great. I mean, uh, your circumstances are, for, are just terrific, and you look fabulous, and your clothes are wonderful, and your house is perfect, and uh, the kids are doing really well, and the job's going great, and your problems are insignificant, and you just have no regrets, and, and all the relatives you'll be with tomorrow are emotionally stable people, <laughs> and maybe pigs still fly, or something like that. Please don't comment on that last note. Uh, it's just rhetorical on my part. But maybe as, as good as life is, you kind of still have this sense uh, that something's missing. There's still a longing in your life that is unfulfilled. And I want you to know this because uh, for some of you, this Christmas is going to be just really, really hard in some way. Where Jesus is, joy will come. Where Jesus is, joy will come. And maybe not fully today, maybe not fully tomorrow, but where he is, and I've seen this, guys, I've seen this uh, at, a, at a funeral <laughs> where, where somebody's so heartbroken, where, where God just meets that person and shows them their love. I've seen it in hospital rooms. I've seen it with students who fail something and, and think life is over. They're so embarrassed, and yet they just feel embraced by the love of God. I, I see that in, in, in somebody's life who, whose marriage seems to have ended and they feel so rejected and so betrayed and yet even in spite of that, they sense God's love for them. <laughs> I think of that, that, that person who's struggling with that habit, that addiction perhaps that's just so crushing and they're just hiding all the time and they're so full of doubts and yet they can feel the embrace of God like those wise men felt in that stable in Bethlehem. And that can be you, if you will bend the knee, if you'll receive him into your life, if you will make the rest of your life a gift to God and to other people, and not actually go down the Herod road anymore, you know, not make it about your reputation and your throne and your crown and your palace and, and all that other stuff. If you just let that go. You see, I, I'd propose tonight that this is the most important journey you can make in the world, the journey of the Magi. And tonight I want to invite you to, to go on that journey, to become a seeker, to not settle for just the odd happy moment in your life, but instead pressing on towards a joy-filled life. And let me say this is the kind of uh, journey we're on as a community, as a church. We, this is what we're about. We, we want to do that. We want to do this together as family. And we want to be here to help anybody that wants to go on that journey. We're here to answer questions and walk with you. 
Because I'd propose that wise people know what matters most. It's not what you're moving from, but what you're moving towards. And there's, not, there's nobody else worth seeking more. There really isn't. That is the good news of Christmas. Would you bow your heads with me? Why don't we pray tonight? And I'd say this is just a kind of a private moment tonight between you and, and God um, as we're just on the threshold of this, this holy day. And uh, if you could tell God one thing, and you can because he's here right now, what would that one thing you'd want to tell him? What's the most important thing that you have to tell God right now? Just you and God. Maybe tonight you're just so filled with gratitude. <laughs> you know, you just want to say, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. Or maybe you're really afraid and you want to say, God, help me. Or maybe in the quiet of this moment, if you're really honest, you'd say, you know, I, I've never really fully surrendered my life to God. I've never really gone to my knees before. I've always held on to control somewhere. And I, I want to do what the wise men did so long ago in my heart. I want to get down on my knees and ask Jesus to be my forgiver and my leader and surrender my life, my time, my money, my body. Maybe you'd say, if I'm honest, I don't know there's a God but I'm going to make a commitment and uh, I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to seek, I'm going to ask questions. Whoever and wherever you are, God is right here. And so God, would you look down on everyone in this room, people who are really happy and people who are really hurting, people who are alone or afraid, would you make joy come in the unlikeliest of places? In Jesus' name. Amen.